0: Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby and We are here to officially preview the big Miami-Florida State game. Uh, Always a big one, no matter what Miami is dealing with, no matter what games each program is coming off of. It is the most important game on the calendar for the Miami Hurricanes football program. And so we are here to preview it. All right. So, Gabby, let's, like we always do at the top here, let's start with uh, injury talk as much as we can. For me, Gabby, I expect a fully healthy running back room, which I think is good news. They've been kind of banged up here and there. Over the past month, various players, honestly. So I kind of expect all the guys there to be good to go. Uh, Tight end, Elijah Arroyo. Let's see. I'm a little skeptical on that. I know what Mario Cristobal said on Monday. I'm a little skeptical, but let's see. Uh, Cornerbacks, Jaden Davis and Daryl Porter. Again, I know what Mario Cristobal said on Monday. Uh, The way I look at it as, or is, I I think there's a better chance that we see Jaden Davis on Saturday than Daryl Porter. So let's see how that plays out. And that's pretty much all I think we need to touch on there in terms of injury talk uh, with Miami. Again, Miami at Florida State, 330 kick and the game will be televised on ABC. This Miami-FSU series, uh, Miami leads the all-time series between the programs, 35-32. This series typically goes and runs. FSU has won the last two. Miami won the previous four prior to that, and then FSU won the previous seven uh, before that. So as we all know, FSU slaughtered Miami last year, 45-3 to uh, at Hard Rock Stadium. The last game at Doak uh, was a 31 to 28 win for Florida State. and kind of a, a back and forth game, um, in which Florida State scored at the end and, and won the game. So, uh, FSU this season, they are the number four overall team in the country according to the College Football Playoff rankings. They are undefeated, nine and zero on the year. Only two one score games this season: a 31 29 win over Boston College and a 31-24 overtime win at Clemson. Open the season with a convincing 45-24 win over LSU. They are coming off a 24-7 win at Pittsburgh. With that win over Pittsburgh, FSU clinched a spot in the ACC championship game in early December. Uh, let's get into FSU's coaches. Uh, Head coach Mike Norvell, this is his fourth year there. He has methodically built up that program year after year after year. He now has a twenty-seven and sixteen record at FSU. He has a sixty-five and thirty-one overall record as a head coach. His first year at FSU, they went three and six. Of course, that was twenty twenty. Second year at FSU, five and seven. Last year, ten and three. Now they are nine and zero. Oh. So, definitely on a a really nice trajectory there at FSU. Uh, Mike Norvell is a really good play caller, one of the best at, at dialing it up in the, in all of college football. That's definitely his superpower as a head coach. Their offensive coordinator is Alex Atkins. He is in his second season in that offensive coordinator slash offensive line coach role. He joined the staff as, as the offensive line coach back in 2020. So he's on that original Mike Norvell, Florida State staff. The bread and butter of Florida State is the counter, and Alex Atkins plays a big role in designing all of that out. On offense, they're averaging 39.6 points per game, which is ninth in the country, 458 yards per game, which is 17th in the country, 6.8 yards per attempt, which ranks seventh overall in the country. I would say they are more efficient, as a passing operation, uh, in, in fact, they're, they're kind of elite in that regard. I would say efficiency-wise, they're pretty average when it comes to running the ball, but they are very explosive in both the passing phase and running phase of the offense. Situationally, they're converting 43.6% on third down, which is number 39 over on the country. They're converting 67.5% of their red zone trips uh you know, touchdown rate, which is 32nd overall in the country. So they're doing a nice job on offense, getting it done. Defense is, is coordinated by Adam Fuller. He's been there since the beginning of the Mike Norvell era as well. This is by far their best FSU defense to this point under Adam Fuller, 17 points per game, which ranks 16th overall nationally, 332 yards per game allowed, which is 33rd nationally, 4.9 yards per play allowed to FBS opponents, which is 26 overall in the country. 140 yards rushing yards per game allowed. uh, Fourth best pass efficiency defense in the country. Number seven third down defense in the country. And they are allowing a touchdown, touchdown red zone rate of only 44%, which is 13th best in the country. Generally speaking, they're very good at containing the explosive passing game and they play an efficient brand of pass defense as well. They are fairly average. They're not bad, but they are average uh, in general this season in terms of run defense efficiency and run defense explosiveness. Um, One thing to touch on too, just in general with their staff continuity, since Mike Norvell arrived in 2020, this is largely the same staff. Uh, I believe I could have this wrong, but I believe the newcomers since his original 2020 staff only include Randy Shannon, uh, who's been there since 2021. uh, Cornerbacks coach Patrick Sertain, who arrived this year in that role, and Tony Tokars, who was elevated uh, from the off-field staff to now be coaching quarterbacks. So they're definitely a staff that has uh, elevated the program year after year after year and done a nice job being on a on the correct trajectory that you want for a big-time program. So that's the staff. Those are the stats. Let's get into the personnel talk and the players that Florida State features first on offense. And Gabby, I think we have to start this conversation with Jordan Travis, because he is the guy that makes everything go. He is... To me, he is not only their most important player, I think he's also their best player. I mean, look, uh, Keon Coleman is definitely going to be a first-round pick, but Jordan Travis makes them go, and he is very, very difficult to defend. And And we've seen him now for multiple years uh, in these Miami-Florida State games. What stands out to you about Jordan Travis this year, maybe, compared to the past years from him
1: yeah I think just what stands out with Jordan Travis I just feel like he's just in just uh, such a unique like comfort zone it feels like I feel like he just has complete control of that offense Uh, you could see that he even has the freedom to kind of just like check out of plays like change it all up like it feels like it's an offense that's just perfectly tailored for him Uh, again they've invested in him they've kind of given him the keys to it and I think he just plays so freely. I, th- I think you see mm-hmm. that he's just, he just, I feel like he just goes to the, like he goes through his games and you can just tell he's in complete command of that offense. Everyone knows who, again, like you mentioned, like everyone, everyone knows who the leader of that offense is. It goes through yep. Jordan Travis, that offense runs through Jordan Travis. And yeah, Keon Coleman's the best NFL prospect, but Jordan Travis is the guy that makes it all go. And uh, just watching just how much he's continued to take some of those next steps. I mean, it's the way that he just kind of drives that offense is, is really impressive to watch. I mean, he's maybe not the, just the best overall passer in the country, but I think he's a very, very, I think he's grown tremendously in that aspect in that phase of his game. And he's, he i mean he's to me he's a good he's a good passer he he can get it done uh his ability to kind of just even just in the face of pressure just kind of be so confident about where to go with the ball and uh to be able to handle those situations it feels like there's not a lot that you can throw at him that he's not like prepared Like that, he doesn't have an answer kind of prepared for, or you know, understanding where to go with the football. Like regardless of what whether you're dropping back in coverage, whether you're you're kind of blitzing him from the back, or I mean, from the you know, from the edges, if you're blitzing him, you know, head on, it seems like he understands where to go with the football. And he's not perfect, but uh, you know, to me, it's just I just think that grasp and just total understanding and that confidence that he plays with, um, it, it stands out, and you see it just kind of watching the tape and watching the way that Florida State offense operates and. You know, that's obviously not a luxury that many in college football have. But I think when you have it, it's just so incredibly valuable. And it makes just total sense to see why this FSU offense is kind of humming and uh, why they're why they've been so efficient and so good. Uh, even, you know, despite obviously having the weapons and, you know, I think the supporting cast is also really good and we'll get into them. But I do think just what Jordan Travis does is is extremely, extremely impressive.
0: Yeah, he's completing 64 percent of his passes. 19 touchdowns, two interceptions, averaging 8.5 yards per attempt. Uh, He's definitely, to me, Gabby, one thing that stands out, just about his progression of his career, he's definitely more of a passing quarterback this year than he's ever been. And that's, you know, he's still that tremendous run threat. Like, he's still the best athlete on the field as well. Um, And and he flashes that when he has to. But this year, he's really just doing most of his damage as a passer. And that's impressive to me. Just the growth he has shown uh, and development he has shown as a passer is impressive. He's in his sixth year, I believe, at the college level. And like you said, he's in total command, total control. To me, maybe his most impressive performance was this past week against Pittsburgh when he did not have Keon Coleman. He did not have Johnny Wilson. They were both held out of the game with minor injuries, I guess. Uh, And he went 22 of 36 for 360 yards and one touchdown. So, you know, even without the playmakers around him, that no doubt elevate his game as well. Um, And I'm not taking anything away by saying that, but even without those guys, he went out and produced in a big way and got Florida State a gritty win on the road at Pittsburgh, which you got to do during the course of the season when you navigate a season. So uh, one thing I'll say, too, is, look, when you watch Jordan, he will make like, I don't know, this is nitpicking and all that, but like his throwing motion at times, is it's a little quirky and, and all that, whatever, whatever, whatever. The ball gets to where it needs to get to eventually. But some of these throws he makes on the run, to me, are like special, special elite throws. Now, he does have some inconsistencies with his accuracy at times. I think those, those inconsistencies happen fewer and fewer and fewer this year than we've seen from him in years past. Uh, But really what stands out to me is like, okay, a defense will have him dead to rights. He will make that defender miss and he will scramble from the pocket. And these receivers know how to execute a scramble drill. And Jordan will flick a ball 20 yards downfield like an NFL quarterback will while he's sprinting at full speed. He flashes some really elite stuff. At times, that if you're a defensive coordinator and he does that to you, I don't know what you do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just what everything that he's able to do is is just good. And again, I, I just think the way that he's just continued to progress, it's it's obvious that this year is just that next step, that next level, that next kind of tier in his development. That who knows that I mean, you know, like again, I, I think it's just with guys like Jordan Travis where, you know, they're kind of going through that process. You get to this point and this is what you hope that they can kind of become. And I feel like Jordan Travis, and again, I think it started with just at the top of Mike Norvell pouring into him and sticking with him and developing him. And, you know, you know, you got to tip your cap to those guys because again, I think that, that, that paid off and uh, just watching him play now is just like, that's a well-oiled machine. And Jordan Travis is just continuing to kind of elevate his game and, he he's honestly fun to watch. Like I enjoyed like watching Florida State this week just because it's just like wow man, like this guy is this guy's really impressive. Like he's just he's he he's just a, a dude. And again in college football, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what is again, I don't know what his NFL like future looks like. Maybe he is an NFL quarterback. I I'm not the I'm not the guy to ask or to determine that or anything, but just watching him as a college football quarterback, like man, he's he he is a very, very, very good college quarterback and. He he's he he makes it happen, man. So Jordan Travis is is definitely definitely one of those dudes.
0: Let's go to the weapons he works the ball to in the passing game, and let's start with Keon Coleman, the Michigan State, uh, wide receiver transfer. He comes. He's he's impressive physically, six feet four, two hundred and ten pounds. He has really impressive body control at that size. He also is explosive after the catch with his strength and, you know, first step after catching the ball. He's hard to bring down. So um, to me, Gabby, like, and he does all the little things that is really impressive from high-level receivers. Like, at the top of the route, he's very physical, getting cornerbacks off of him, et cetera, et cetera. Like, to me, at times... He looks like the best wide receiver in the country. I don't know if that consistency has been, or that production. I think is fair to say if that production has been there week after week after week. But to me, like, there's no doubt he is a first-round pick NFL wide receiver, and he's going to be very good in that in at that level as well. What stands out to you about him?
1: Yeah, and, and it, it's kind of like where I was gonna like. I think when he has those moments, like when it kind of just comes together for him, he do, he does look like. He's he you could put him in that conversation like or you can you can pose that question is is Keon Coleman the best wide receiver in the country? And obviously, you know, Marvin Harrison, Jr., that's that's where everyone's head kind of goes. But Keon Coleman has had moments this season where it's just like, um, I mean, are we sure? Like, are we sure it's Marvin Harrison? Because this guy is 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 pretty, pretty big time. And, you know, the basketball background, you know, all that stuff, you can tell he's he's an extremely impressive athlete. Uh, I think when he was coming out of high school, he was committed to Kansas at one point and he was gonna like play basketball at Kansas and then he went to Michigan State because he was gonna like also play basketball at Michigan State. And then I don't really know how that happened. It, th- I feel like that those types of situations never really work out that way. Um, so obviously smart on his end, just fully committing to football and finding a place to to kind of go where he can just kind of elevate his stock. And I mean, he's just been I think he started to kind of break out a little bit last year at Michigan State. Uh, where it started to kind of show. And then now this year at Florida State, he's just been, he again, he's had those moments where it's just like, wow, like this dude is, is he, I mean, wide receiver one type, you know, like he's an NFL wide receiver. He's probably gonna be the best wide receiver Miami's seen this year. And they had to deal with Tez Walker. So, and we know how that went. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be extremely, extremely, uh, you know, important that matchup and uh, Miami finding a way to kind of key in on him while having to kind of account for all the other, Pieces that they have as well
0: he's come up big against the two most talented opponents that florida state has faced to against lsu had 122 yards and three touchdowns and against clemson 86 yards but had two touchdowns including the game ending oh touchdown man. on that jump ball so comes up big he's also a punt returner so you got to deal with him in that phase too Uh, You mentioned him as a wide receiver one. I think, too, you could argue at the college level, Johnny Wilson flashes wide receiver one ability at times. The consistency is always something that's kind of plagued him with, you know, dropping catchable passes. I think he's cleaned that up during the course of his career. It's still there a little bit this year, but he's also just a handful to deal with. He is what 6 foot 7 235 ish pounds yeah. definitely looks all of that uh when he is lining up against cornerbacks and and frankly he's very fast for for that size too like he moves very well for that size he's he's missed a few games here recently with with some injuries um but but he's also a handful to deal with as well
1: yeah. And one of the plays that stands out to me about Johnny Wilson is, you know, I just, you know, watching the Clemson game. Uh, Cle- Clemson misses a potential go ahead field goal late in the game. First play, Mike Norvell calls like on the back end, like on the other end of that turnover or missed field goal, just kind of sends Johnny Wilson kind of just, you know, nine route. And he gets behind Sheridan Jones and then just like almost like fully extends his long you know, all mm-hmm. his super long arms and brings, brings in, you know, a really, really tough catch that for a guy that tall and that long, I mean, requires a ton of coordination and like, you know, again, just skill to make that type of play. And watching that, it's just like, I mean, you're going to tell me this guy's six, seven and he's able to kind of stack a corner and then fully kind of extend and make that play with those long arms. I mean, it's impressive what he can do. And uh, Johnny, I think first play of the second half, they kind of just kind of go like post to Johnny Wilson, he makes a good play there and uh you know the way that they kind of move him around the way that they use him again he he's he would be a wide receiver one on a lot of teams and uh you know he's when he's healthy uh when he's playing he's obviously good and you do see like the kind of like the it's kind of like a silly stuff where i feel like he kind of misses on and then it's kind of like the more difficult like I don't know lower percentage right. catches where you kind of see him make these like awesome plays, and then it'll be like you know a seven yard slant, and he'll just like drop it. So it's right. it's a uh, but he does make those kind of like you know spectacular catches and you know highlight real plays at, at that size. It's 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 really it's he he's definitely a physical specimen and and a, and a productive wide receiver.
0: He makes catches that you know, corners will, will have him fully covered and he still catches it because of his size and and the way he can overwhelm in that regard. And he's also a guy that can explode on you with production. Like last year, I think it was a game where Jordan might've gotten hurt a little bit in the first half. I forget when, but Louisville, their backup had to come in and it seemed like the game plan once that happened was just throw it up to Johnny. And he finished that Louisville game with seven receptions for 149 yards and two touchdowns. Then in the bowl game against Oklahoma, Johnny Wilson finished with eight receptions for 202 yards. So he can explode on you. He can be overwhelming. He is a mismatch nightmare out there, uh, on the outside. The holiday season is upon us, and Midway Sports is here to take care of
1: all of your sporting good needs. Check out their wide range of selections for all your golf, pickleball, football, basketball, and baseball needs with a variety of -of top-of-the-line necessities and accessories to help you look and perform your best on the field of play. All of that located just a mile south of the University of Miami campus. Midway Sports is also there for all of your team uniform needs, whether that be your kids' Little League team or your adult softball team. Tell them Gabby Rudia with Through the Smoke sent you, and they will take 30% off the price of the, of the cost of your uniform order.
0: Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way.
1: Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services
0: to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice-consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation. With pride financial and let's take pride in our finances. Florida State has also added a tight end that you have to be aware of in Jaheem Bell. He comes in from South Carolina. He's kind of an interesting type of tight end because he's an athletic. Like I kind of view him, Gabby, as like a he's a tight end in like a big running back's body, yeah. if that makes sense. Like he's six foot three. 240 pounds moves kind of like a big running back. Um, And and so he's, he's a nightmare after the catch. And he actually, like we're talking about Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, Jaheen bell leads Florida state in yards after the catch right now, going into this week's game, 31 receptions for 365 yards. They primarily use them in the, in the short passing game, like on little rollouts and stuff. Yeah. But he's certainly a a guy you have to be aware of, you know, he can definitely move the chains, pick up first downs, et cetera, et cetera,
1: yeah. and they use him out of the out of the backfield sometimes too. like he's a guy that they'll give a handoff to. uh Jaheim Bell is uh, is another one that's just man, it's just like you keep, you know, we you can just stack the personnel that Florida has on offense and it's just like you just keep going and all these guys are are really, really, you know, and they all bring something different, like Jaheim Bell and what he does. And I know, like, even just from a Miami, like, like from a Miami perspective, like, I think Jaheim Bell and what he does, I think is a lot of the ways that they vi- envision using a guy like Elijah Lofton in the future. So for those that follow the recruiting and are in tuned with Elijah Lofton, Miami's tight end commit, I think they see a lot of similarities between Elijah Lofton and a guy like Jaheim Bell. And so he's a guy that can kind of do a lot of different things for them. uh You know, they use them as kind of like, even though like they'll use him as a blocker in the run game. Like they'll he'll he's a guy that they'll kind of bring around almost like, you know, motion him and use him as almost like a lead blocker at times. Uh so he does a lot of really, really cool things for them in that offense. And he's someone that it's just like you can't lose him. Cause like you can be, you can like lock it, you can like lock locked down keon coleman and johnny wilson but like if if jaheem bell is left unattended or like you kind of just he's someone that can really really hurt you and miami has struggled with tight ends at times this year and jaheem bell to me is is a key matchup in this uh you know just for miami's linebackers or whoever it is that gets the task of kind of having to to follow him around uh you know, he's, He's a mismatch just because of how athletic he is at that size and the physicality that he brings and how hard he is to bring down so yeah it's I mean Jaheim Bell Bell's another one that's 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 a very very good football player
0: Tom Morlock is there other tight end he's starting to come online he's uh, in this recent Pittsburgh game he caught four passes for 80 yards so he's another guy to know at tight end uh I would say too, Jakka Douglas is a guy to keep an eye on this week. He was elevated into a a bigger role uh, against Pittsburgh this past week uh, with their guys at wide receiver being held out. And Ja'Kai Douglas came up big. Six catches for 115 yards. He runs a nice little slot fade, as Miami fans will remember from that 2021 game. Also, too, Florida State does a nice job of running some screen game with their running backs. Trey Benson... 16 catches, 197 yards, and one touchdown. Lawrence Toafili, 17 catches, 147 yards, and one touchdown. So those are things to keep an eye on there. How about their run game, Gabby? I think it yeah. starts with with Trey Benson, who's a load at, what, 6'1", 220 pounds or so. And he also has very nice downhill speed. When he gets going, you're probably not going to catch him.
1: Yeah, I'm a big Trey Benson fan. Another guy who I think is going to be playing on Sundays. Uh, I think that he's extremely, extremely talented. And, you know, just the way that he runs the ball is obviously, you know, he brings a lot of physicality, but he kind of also has that extra gear. uh, The ability to kind of bounce off tackles, kind of hit holes. His ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I forgot which game it was. Maybe it was early in that Clemson game where he kind of just had to like turn his whole body around, essentially, and bring a ball in. Like, mm-hmm. he he flashes like, the ability to catch. I think all the running backs, like, that's something that just stands out about that backfield. Like, Lawrence Toafili, I think, is a very impressive pass catcher out of the He's backfield. He's a
0: sneaky, important player for them, the way yeah, they I think, used yeah, Toafili. Absolutely.
1: Definitely. I think both those guys are. I mean, Benson gets a lot of, like, the... the 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 juice and all that stuff. But Feely is a guy I feel like they give that gets plenty of burn and again just the way that he's that they utilize him out of the backfield is impressive. But Trey Benson is, you know, I think he's a I think he has a chance to be an NFL running back and like uh, you know I think he's a I mean he's a really good player and it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. You know, the, it's it's a lot of firepower on this offense, a lot of guys that can get you. And obviously we saw, I mean, for the Miami fans from last year, I mean, they just countered Miami to death, right? And Trey Benson yeah. had a huge huge day. With that. So obviously I mean, expect Miami to be a little bit more prepared for that. Um, I think they're gonna obviously gonna handle that a little bit better. But that that Florida State running game is kind of like their pillar, right? That counter is their pillar. Um, that their key play on offense, and that's what a lot of that offense is kind of built on is just establishing that counter. So um yeah, I mean Trey Benson is gonna play a major, major role in this one.
0: Six hundred and forty-one yards this season, averaging six point six yards per carry, eight touchdowns. Jordan Travis, of course, a guy to keep an eye on. I think particularly in the red zone in terms of like design runs, he does have seven touchdown runs. And of course, too, Jordan Travis can scramble at any time and hurt you that way in the run game as well. How about the offensive line, Gabby? To me, just my impression of them, I think, you know, again, especially going back to 2020, Mike Norville's first year there, They've kind of methodically improved the offensive line. I think this is the best overall offensive line that they've had during this Mike Norvell era. I think in particular, they're they're good in pass protection. I think the run blocking can be up and down at times. It's not bad. Um, It's just maybe average to above average, which I, I, I feel like the pass protection for the most part is pretty consistent.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it, I think it's it's a big offensive line too. I mean, I think it's definitely the best. I, I, and again, it's true true. Just a, a couple years ago, I felt like that offensive line was just like a total disaster. But Alex Atkins is a is a great offensive line coach, and they've done a good job with, you know, kind of finding. You know, I mean, finding guys in the portal to kind of come in, and also developing some guys. Uh, you know, Maurice Smith is a guy from down here who I feel like has been in the program for a long time that they developed. Um, you know, and then getting a couple of those portal additions too has been has been helpful for them. So, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a It's a really good offensive line, Uh, you know, comparatively to what we've seen from them in the past. And really, I think just what Miami's just seen this season. Like, I think uh, FSU's in that top tier of offensive lines that Miami's had to kind of go up against this year.
0: How about on defense? Who who stands out to you? Where do you want to start the conversation on defensive personnel?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe just along that defensive line, I mean, I think they get, I mean, if, to me, honestly, someone that flashes just a ton is Patrick Payton uh the Miami native uh that kind of comes off the edge for them. I, I think he he does a lot of good things. I feel like he's really, really kind of coming along uh here at what? So he's a probably redshirt sophomore at this point. Um, you know, he's someone that that absolutely stands out. And then, you know, Braden Fisk in the middle of that defensive line uh, is someone that that shows flashes. And then of course Jared Verse, their, you know, star pass rusher, edge rusher, who, you know, is definitely built like an NFL defensive end. And, uh, you know, displays, you know, tons of explosiveness and and different things like that. Those are just up front. Uh, I mean, Kalen Deloche is a linebacker I like a lot, too. Renardo Green in the secondary. Uh, and Cheyenne Brown is the safety I like a lot, too. So I, I think they got, again, I think it's it's a talented defense that has a lot of guys, um, you know, to kind of consider and, and be kind of weary of.
0: Yeah, Jaden Verse, Braden Fisk are guys that play with a lot of physicality. And they are impressive in that regard. Patrick Payton, a good pass rusher, uh, so in third and longs, he's a guy to keep an eye on. I am impressed by the way Kalen DeLoach has taken yeah. a step this year. He's he's playing he's really, really good football this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's a bit. He's his superpower is speed, so he's not like the biggest linebacker. He's maybe I think he's listed at like two ten, and he kind of looks that big too. But he does play fast. He plays violent. He made a game-changing play against Clemson. Yep, And he's definitely elevated his game to a, a nice level this year. The other linebacker, Tatum Bethune, also very good. Sure. I, one thing that stands out about their linebacker group is they do... Like, when they do get to ball carriers, they, they play with violence. They will pop you. And I think that's important from that linebacker group. So they... They Play with that physicality, and, and you mentioned Shaheen Brown. You know, he's a guy that the more I watch Florida State, I didn't like I didn't really go into watching Florida State thinking or expecting much out of the set. I don't know, I didn't have any opinion, I guess, is the best way to say it of Shaheen Brown. But the more I watch Florida State, he's he's a good player, he's he's a good safety for them on the back end. There kind of does it all in terms of. Solid run stopping and also good in coverage. He had a nice pick, I think, against Duke, if I remember correctly, uh, where he extended and and made a nice little diving interception. So uh, good defense, you know, definitely played with speed. And um, yeah, it's by far the, the most consistent and the best Florida State defense of this Adam Fuller era. How about special teams? I think they've also cleaned some things up there year over year with kicker Ryan Fitzgerald playing at a much more consistent level this year. He's 11 of 12 on field goal attempts. He was kind of up and down in previous seasons. Then Alex Mastromano averaging 46 yards per attempt as a punter. That is definitely getting it done at a higher level. Kick return, do span. Uh, had a big momentum changing uh, kick return for a touchdown against Duke showed some nice speed as a gliding kind of six foot three, six foot four wide receiver. Once he hit the crease, he was gone. And then Keon Coleman, they got back there on punt returns. He's averaging 9.9 yards per punt return. That's essentially a first down. And that means you are getting it done at a high level in that phase. So, Anything stand out to you about special teams? I know Florida State puts a lot of emphasis on special teams, and yeah, they're they're performing at a pretty, at a high level in that phase as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, Massamano, the the punter, just seems like you know, again, I don't know what the what the nation's punters look like, but I mean, to me, he looks like you know one of the best punters that I've you know that I've kind of watched or seen so far. I mean, he just seems like he's just got a a nice leg on him, and he has just a good kind of touch on it. So mono seems good uh, you know, to me, Keon Coleman returning punts again, it's think it's just kind of goes back to like, you know, your best players play special teams. And if Keon Coleman's like one of your, your dudes back there returning punts. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I think that's always a a big thing to get the best, the, the ball into the best, the hands of your best football players. So I kind of love that they have Keon Coleman out there returning punts. And I love that Keon Coleman's just like about that, that he just kind of is, is like willing to return punts and, and do all those things. So, uh, yeah, I mean I think it's, you know, that's solid. I, I definitely like the punter and and uh you know the Keon Coleman factor is obviously one to to watch cuz you know he is a, a, a he is a good athlete. He's not just like this big body or anything like that. Like he can move.
0: All right, so let's take a break and then on the other side we'll talk about this game from a Miami perspective. All right. We are back. Gabby, you know the drill. In this part of the podcast, we discuss three things that we want to see from a Miami perspective against the opponent. So I'll give you the floor here.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first, uh, I mean, might be a really big ask, but I mean, just Uh, you know, to me, you, you mentioned the two games that were one score games and I was just trying to find like, I guess, what was it about those games that kept them close against Florida state? Um, that Clemson game, which, you know, really, I think, you know, it was a winnable game for Clemson. I think Clemson could have won that game. Uh, I think that was Cade Klubnick's best game to date, you know, just of, you know, of this season, at least Uh, completed 66% of his passes, 25, 38, 283 yards, one touchdown. Uh, I don't think he threw a pick. The only turnover was, you know, a, a, that Caden Deloach uh, strip sack that led to uh, a fumble return touchdown. for a Touchdown. So that, but Kate Klubick did not throw an interception in that game. Clemson also ran the ball for 146 yards and two touchdowns. So um that balance and efficiency on offense uh I think was is obviously a key, uh, you know, especially with the way Miami's kind of going on offense. And those numbers aren't just like you know he didn't throw for 420 and four touchdowns. You know I think mm-hmm. he, I think Kate Klubnick just played a clean game. Uh, he helped his team kind of continue to move the chains methodically, move down the field. I think they had like a six or seven minute, fifteen play drive uh, that they ended up scoring a touchdown on. Like you know just being able to hold on to the ball, protect it, and move the sticks. Uh, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of same deal in that Boston College game. Thomas Castellanos, 20 of 35, 305 yards, of touchdown, and then. Uh, Boston College ran the ball for 152 yards and two touchdowns so I think if you can be balanced you can be efficient and uh, you know you can kind of and, and Boston College in that game of course needed a defensive touchdown to kind of get them back into it and there was a wide margin at one point and things just kind of piled up quickly on Florida State and Boston College was able to kind of take advantage of that to make it so close. But you kind of see how, uh, you know, when you can kind of be efficient and run the ball well, make sure you're okay in the passing game, how you there's a there's a path to that to victory against Florida State. So I get where Miami's offense is at right now, and we have no idea which way it's going to kind of go or what's going to happen at the quarterback. But I think just finding a way, regardless of what it is, just being balanced and efficient is huge. Uh, Another thing I would say is limit the busts on defense. Obviously we know Florida state is explosive, uh, whether that be in the running game, uh, whether that be, you know, definitely in the passing game with those wide receivers. Uh, So to me, it's just about, I think there's been times where guys have kind of, you know, missed assignments, blown assignments, blown coverages, or just kind of tried to do too much that leads to big hits. Uh, So I think it's, I think it's about everyone kind of doing their job uh, to limit some of those busts that we've kind of seen playing this defense in the past. And the last thing I'll say is just kind of try to make this game a grind. And we kind of talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, but I think, you know, this is a game where You need to just do all of these things. You need to kind of take care of the football. You need to make sure you're, you know, efficient on third down, uh, you know, making those big stops on defense. And when you make get them on in third downs, you're getting off the field and on third downs more times than not make it a physical game where it's just, you know, a lot of ball control. And you're able to kind of just kind of possess it so that you're not that explosive Florida State offense doesn't have it just kind of just take away the amount of opportunities that they have and just take that into the fourth and kind of just see what happens. And I think that's Miami's only path to victory is just by making this just an absolute, you know, grinder of a game and, uh, you know, seeing just how the chips fall. So those are the three things that I guess I would highlight.
0: Yeah, and I'll build off that, you know, I agree. You got to control the clock. You got to keep the ball out of Florida state's hands. And I do think that is the path to victory for Miami and it's a narrow path, uh, but you got to play that complimentary football. Uh, And again, it's important for Miami's offense to possess the ball from a time of possession standpoint, not only to keep the ball out of a FSU offense that is very explosive, but it's also important for the Miami defense because Quite frankly, I don't know if Miami's defense right now has the body count to play a ton of snaps in a game. So it's important on, on with both phases of the game for Miami's offense to play that efficient brand of football. And, and to me, Gabby, two games come to mind in terms of executing that style as it relates to this Miami-Florida State game. And I think it's worth taking a look at the Duke game as well, because the FSU Duke game, because Duke executed a game plan that Miami has to follow in terms of get the game to the third quarter. Uh, FSU won that game 38 to 20, but going into the fourth quarter, Duke was up 20 to 17. And it kind of was a wild game. Duke hit a 42-yard touchdown run early. They also had a pick six early in the second quarter. FSU responded immediately with a kick return for a touchdown. So it was definitely a a very back-and-forth type of game. Riley Leonard, Duke's quarterback, was playing with a gimpy ankle and was unable to finish the game. He he did finish the game 7 of 16 for 69 yards and a pick. So he did nothing really special as a passer. The backup came in, went one of six for seven yards. Once Leonard was gone for the game, uh, that's kind of when FSU really took control. Uh, But Duke did finish that game with 197 rushing yards on 35 carries. And again, to your point about limiting explosive touchdowns, through three quarters, the Duke defense didn't allow an explosive touchdown from, from Florida State. Now, FSU did break through in that fourth quarter in which they did rack up, what, I think it was 17-ish points in that fourth quarter. Um, Duke, it seemed like defensively in that game, Duke forced Jordan Travis to kind of work it to Jaheen Bell, work it to Lawrence Toafili in the passing game, and they contained the run game pretty good outside of the Jordan Travis runs. So, um, Yeah, I think the way Duke played that game through three quarters and just kind of let, you know, let's see how things go in the fourth quarter. Similar path that Miami needs to take. Now, unfortunately for Duke, from a Duke perspective, the Riley Leonard ankle just kind of gave out uh, in that second half. But they did, you know, navigate that game the way that they would have wanted to, you would think, going into that game. The other game that kind of comes to mind, Gabby, and this is in a Miami game or a Florida State game. But the other game that comes to mind for me is the 2021 Oregon Ohio State game. In 2021, Mario Cristobal executed this type of approach to go win 35 to 28 over Ohio State and Columbus. Now, again, this Oregon team or that Oregon team much better than this Miami team. Um, But still, it was a similar-ish matchup in terms of you have an explosive Ohio State team that featured C.J. Stroud, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Um, And Oregon went out and controlled things efficiently. They uh, ran for 270 yards in that game. CJ Verdell ran for 161. Quarterback Anthony Brown ran for 65. Um, so they they controlled things on the ground. They got out to a lead early on and, and just kind of held on to that lead as as Ohio State's passing game found its stride late in the second half. Um, so again, I, I think that's another example of an efficient. Oregon team beating an explosive Ohio state team. Now Florida state is both explosive and efficient and et cetera, et cetera. But this is the path that we're talking about that Miami has to execute to win on Saturday. Um, And and to that point, right. Another thing I'll be looking for Gabby is I, I do kind of feel like the first quarter is going to tell us what type of game this can potentially be. Again, Miami needs this to be kind of a grind-out game. So if, if Miami goes three and out on a couple of early possessions and Florida State goes down and, and gets points and makes Miami pay for those three and outs, it's likely going to be a long day. Um, last year in last year's blowout win uh, for Florida State over Miami They were up 14 to three at the end of the first quarter. And at the end of the first quarter, Miami looked like a team that wanted to quit. FSU had 158 yards of offense at the end of that first quarter, 82 rushing 76 passing at the end of that first quarter. Trey Benson had 50 yards on four carries and Ontario Wilson bombed up Miami for a 56 yard touchdown. So pretty demoralizing start from a Miami standpoint in that game. And what no fun you know, for anyone with, if Miami gets down 14 to three, for instance, this week, they just don't have the horses to really yeah. get back. I mean, Florida state would have to hand Miami some opportunities via turnovers. If that happens. And frankly, Florida state is one of the best teams in the country at not turning the ball over. So Uh, It would be surprising if that did happen. Uh, And again, I agree with you in terms of limiting explosive touchdowns. That might be easier said than done. Of course. Um, But, um, you know, I do think, you know, you you look at that Boston College game in particular, they did not allow an explosive touchdown. We'll define that as like touchdowns from outside the red zone. Boston College did not allow an explosive touchdown in that game. Clemson only allowed one, which was that 24-yard jump ball to Keon Coleman in mm-hmm. overtime. Um, so Florida State, by the way, I went and looked. On the season, they are averaging two touchdowns from outside the red zone per game. So in my opinion, you you can't even allow one this week if you're Miami. Um, so you just have to make them work the ball downfield. I'm curious how they how Miami will decide to defend this Florida State team because they have so many answers. Um what would be your approach? Would you I think I do think you have to take away the run game first. Yeah. And and just kind of live with the results on the outside in the passing game. That's just me, because I think if you get in this no man's land of like, oh, we can't stop the run and now they're building the pass game off the run game, I just I think that's a disaster. Um, so I think you gotta you gotta fit up the counter first. And, you know, if Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are gonna beat your cornerbacks in one on one situations downfield, you gotta tip your cap. What do you think?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think just because of how it went last year, I think they're gonna try to you know, probably go right back at him with that. Um, I If you can't, I, the thing is with Florida State, if you can't stop the run, like you're just, like it's, like it's, it's, you're, you're kind of done, right? Like if you're, if they're going to run the ball on you, then they're just going to be, you know, extremely, extremely efficient and they're just going to be able to do whatever they want. Like you said, like they're going to be able to do so many things off of the run and just with Jordan Travis and all that stuff, like you have to stop the run, like you have to key in on stopping the run and you have to make plays on the, I mean, you got guys that you you need at at some point guys need to be able to make plays on the outside, but I think Miami absolutely has to, you know, just try to kind of just contain that and uh again it's just about trying to make them one-dimensional to an extent they're gonna get theirs and those guys are gonna you know be they're, they're gonna run the ball like they're gonna do all that stuff but i think uh You know, maybe kind of similarly to like, again, maybe obviously not expecting the same result, but like how Miami really like keyed in on that Clemson running game, obviously limited Phil Moffin, Will Shipley, and that just made it harder for Clemson to kind of do everything else that they wanted to do. And they Mm -hmm. still did what they could and, you know, they were great with tight ends and all that stuff, but it makes it things more complicated on offense when you can just kind of really limit that run game. So, yeah, I mean, if you're Lance Kidger, you have to make sure that it's quickly like you know you you fit that counter quickly and just make it kind of known like yeah this is not last year and you're not just going to run this thing you know 50 times and you know just beat us by 40 um you know i think you have to just come out and kind of just be ready to defend the run and to uh, just kind of establish that quickly and go play some ball man guys just got to make plays in these types of games and uh you know you need to if again if the ball's going to be thrown up to the outside to those you know really good wide receivers You know, again, it's just got got to you either you either have the players to defend it or you don't. And, uh, you know, I think you got to be able to be physical and win win at the line of scrimmage.
0: Yeah, I will say differences year over year uh, in terms of defending the run for both teams going into this week's game. I do think Florida State was a better running team last year for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they just were. Now, they're a better passing team this year, um, and that's probably just them playing more to their strengths with adding Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell, right? That makes sense. And they're not a bad running team this year. They're just, you know, not as good as they were last year at running the ball. And from a Miami perspective, they are much better defending the run this year than they were last year. So uh, it is definitely a big matchup to watch in terms of how Miami does defending the counter and what then Florida state can do building off of that counter run. Cause you go back and watch that Clemson game, Gabby, Clemson, really, really, really did a nice job of taking away that counter run yeah. efficiency. Uh, and that was a
1: four quarter game. Like I think when yeah. like that, like that Clemson game, like again, obviously, I mean, they were a field goal away from, you know, potential, a, a missed, chip shot field goal away, and again i feel like then that clemson game clemson was the better to me clemson seemed like the better team in that game for like you know what like 58 minutes and then it was a couple plays that went florida state's way that really tipped the game over but i thought clemson controlled that game for a lot of it like i think that there is a you know a path but again i think it's you have to be so efficient and you have to be able to stop that run you got you got to be able to do it
0: attention business owners have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Muserino FURDOC PLLC.
1: Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a a meticulous assessment of your filing, ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no hidden fees. They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme.
0: Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Musserino Furdock, PLLC at five six one four three seven zero four one four, or visit Musserino That's M U C E R I N O F U R D O C K dot are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. How about a matchup that you like the most going into this game?
1: Yeah, again, I think it kind of goes back to just like the whole running game in general, but from the Miami side, uh, you know, Florida State's defense has given up over 100 rushing yards uh, in eight of the nine games this season, 140 yards four times and over 150 yards three times. Uh, so I'm gonna go maybe like Mark Fletcher or Miami's running game in general, just against that FSU front seven or that FSU run defense. Um, I think that that's an area where uh Miami can find some success, and if they find a way to run the ball efficiently, obviously that would uh that would go a long way. So, um, I'm gonna go Miami's run game most primarily Mark Fletcher uh, against that that Florida State rush defense.
0: Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, you know, look, I'm not saying, I mean. There, there are some games this year where Florida State didn't do a great job of fitting up the run. And the Duke game was a prime example of that. They they had issues with Duke kind of getting to the edges um, and, and having success in the run game in that phase. I also think, too, look, these these aren't bad players, so don't get me wrong. But, like, In terms of just physical, like, and they're physical players, but they're not like the biggest players. Like, Kalen Deloach is a good linebacker, but he is an undersized linebacker. Uh, Tatum Bethune, I would still classify as kind of undersized. Now, he is a physical player, but he is kind of undersized. Uh, Patrick Payton, I think you can kind of move him around a little bit from a run-blocking standpoint. He's not the biggest uh, edge-setting Defensive end, if that makes sense. Um, I think they're corners too. Fentrell Cypress on the smaller-ish, non-physical side. Um, Kevin Knowles to me, who's who's a who's a DB that they play. Not the most physical safety. So you know, I again, they're not bad players, um, but if you're Miami that is your path kind of running downhill at Florida state and trying to out physical the with your big, uh, offensive line. So I agree with that. How about a matchup you're keeping an eye on?
1: Yeah. To me, it's, it's someone we talked about earlier. It's, it's Jaheim bell. Um, Against whoever's covering it, which I'm guessing he's probably gonna get matched up. I mean, I feel like they try to match him up with linebackers sometimes. Uh, you know, I think Miami has kind of struggled against tight end. I uh, think about the Clemson game, uh Breeding Stool. Uh, you know, I think Wesley and KJ both got lost in coverage or just got beat in coverage. KJ was kind of, you know, made. You know, he tried his best. I guess it wasn't too bad, but uh, I think Jaheen Bell could be a potential matchup. You know, problem and. Um, I think Wesley's gotten caught with his eyes in the backfield sometimes. I think maybe it was in the North Carolina game, uh, where he kind of got beat for a pretty nice game. I can't remember exactly which one. Um, uh, but Jaheen Bell, I think against uh, a linebacker like Miami's basically will linebacker, I think uh could be uh problematic potentially. And I think uh, you know, just really or whoever it is that kind of covers him. I think he's a, an interesting mismatch, just uh, you know, whoever it is that it kind of becomes responsible for him. And if he feels like the type that uh, you know, we're talking about Johnny Wilson and, uh, you know, Keon Coleman and Trey Benson and Jaheen Bell, I feel like could be that guy that quietly kind of gets you. So uh, he's, he's someone that I'm definitely locking, locking in on.
0: If I'm Miami, I'd rather them go to Jaheen Bell. Now you have to contain him when he, right. you know, you can't let him pick up those yak, those yak yards that kill you. Um, but I'd rather them go to him. Uh, and for that reason, like I, you know, obviously there's concerns, I think about Miami's corners, just from a matchup standpoint. Uh, with the size difference and yeah. athleticism difference that they're going to be facing. Plus, you know, there's some injury concerns from a Miami perspective at cornerback. So what's that's... your, just what's your
1: play at cornerback? Like, what do you, like, what, what, like, what's your, like, how, how would you play this? Cause you got Jaden Davis, who's obviously, we both know is a smaller guy. Uh, I mean, even Daryl Porter is kind of a smaller guy and Devontae Brown is kind of just been highly penalized. Let's
0: assume, Let's assume Daryl's not playing.
1: Yeah, like do you? I mean, uh, I feel like you have to kind of throw. I mean, do you throw Jadis out there? I mean, we've talked. We think like we talked about this. Like when we kind of brought these guys in, like when they committed or anything like that, or when we were just talking about how this transfer class could impact it. But it feels like we're here now, and I'm just like not sure. Like what's what's the path? Like what's the what what's the what's the game plan? Trying to cover these bigger receivers when you're two starting outs again. Okay, maybe Daryl Porter's out, but I mean traditionally, like just any given Saturday, your two starting quarterback corners are you know. Basically, under six six foot, and you're facing six four, six seven, and Devontae Brown's kind of been struggling whenever the ball's been thrown his way. So, I'm just curious what they do there.
0: I think you go more Damari than Devontae. Um, okay. against NC State, he played twenty one snaps as a corner on the outside rather than being in the slot. So, he got some work there against NC State. So, I would go Damari. I would go Jaden Davis and I would go to Corey Couch still at nickel. And, um, you know, if you got to rotate in Devontae, you do that. But I mean, look, I think too, you got to be quick to go to Devante if it's just apparent that, like, look, Jaden is 5'9, 5'10, and he is struggling covering 6'4 slash 6'7 wide receivers. Yeah. We have to put, Devontae Brown in the game so I think you know you just get a feel for it and uh, if you got to go to Devontae you got to go there but as we've seen Devontae struggles with his poise and coverage he, he's he been kind of a walking PI this season so if he's in the game I would assume Florida State would attack him vertically because at worst you're getting a PI um, and also too Beyond the corners, I I do have some concerns, Gabby, in obvious passing situations. I do have concerns about FSU's edge rushers, both Jared Verse and Patrick Payton, and Miami's offensive tackles kind of blocking it up again in obvious passing situations. That's why it's so important to try and stay ahead of the chains as much as possible this week. But in obvious passing situations, I could see that being a, a big problem for, for Miami's offensive tackles who have done a good job this year. Uh, but verse and Peyton are, um, difference makers. And, and you know, I, they held up well against Clemson, Miami's offensive tackles, but Clemson did not have Xavier Thomas, and, and that's yeah. a big deal. So, uh, I do have some concerns there. How about a player that needs to step up?
1: Yeah. Uh, just to me, again, I feel like just in these, I feel like when there has been sort of explosives, especially in the passing game, a wide receiver one type, like I just kind of go back to that North Carolina and that Tez Walker performance. And, you know, I think about, you know, I think Camp Kitchens is someone I'm kind of looking at to be like, I feel like a lot of it falls on him on, you know, limiting some of that vertical, deep uh, explosive game dating back to last year. I feel like it's been something that he's struggled at times with. Uh, so, you know, I'm Can hoping... to tell you Camp- something? Go ahead.
0: I think that's interesting to bring up. But do you remember what Lance Gidry said this week? No. He said uh it's important this week to go back and look at the plays that opponents really really hurt you on during the yeah. course of the season because Mike Norvell does a really good job of doing that as a play caller and throwing those looks at you as well. Yeah. Like he will dial up those looks as well. And so from that perspective i agree with you like yes uh i would assume we will see some looks that you know put cam kitchens in that similar type of bind on the back end in terms of um are you going to cover the post or the dig i mean that's his issue right he yeah. always gets sucked up on the dig and the post you know either crosses his face or gets behind him and um uh, i agree that he needs to be sound in that regard yeah. Yeah, I will go with Mark Fletcher. Yeah, gotta gotta have another big game. How about potential yeah. player of the game?
1: Yeah, to me, it's just I think if there if there's a potential player of the game on Miami side, right? I think it's going to be whoever's playing quarterback. Like I think if it's a, if it's again if we're talking about a player of the game, like Miami's potentially winning the game, like I think it's going to be whoever the, the quarterback play was good enough, was efficient enough. And I think if the quarterback play is good enough for Miami to win this game, then whoever is taking snaps is the MVP of this game, because that means you probably protected the football and you did enough for this team to find a way uh, to get it done. So my potential player of the game is whoever in the world is playing quarterback.
0: I will say also Mark Fletcher sports line over under projection. So this is from sports line, like daily fantasy, what they project in terms of production for the game, uh, Jordan Travis, they have at two hundred and ninety three passing yards. Over or under? What are you taking?
1: I'm gonna go under.
0: Okay. You're gonna go. Over? Um. I'm gonna go over. Okay. Because I, I, from a Miami perspective, I hope. Miami does a decent enough job of stopping the run so that they have to go to the passing phase, yeah, if that makes fair. sense. It does. Um this is one I made up. Okay. Miami, 165 yard rushing yards as a team. Can they pull that off?
1: I think no. I mean, I think that's a little maybe high for I could see it, I guess, but I think this is a little high for me right now. I'd probably go under.
0: What do you think is the minimum amount of rushing yards? Miami needs to hit to pull off a win.
1: Minimum, I think they're going to have to run for at least like 145 to 150. Okay. What do you think?
0: I think it's got to be like 165.
1: Yeah, it's fair. Probably why you put that number right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'll go under. Uh, Miami defense allowing... Over under two explosive touchdowns in this game. Again, we've talked about how Florida State is essentially averaging two explosive touchdowns, touchdowns from outside the red zone per game. Oh, uh, uh, so let's just make it let's make it one and a half then. Let's change okay. it to one and a half. So I
1: mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. Just whatever it is. I'm, going, I'm probably gonna go over.
0: Okay. So they're gonna hit two?
1: Yeah, I think at least.
0: I'll go under. I think one or less. I think Miami okay. can pull that off.
1: Okay, let's see.
0: Betting lines. Last I looked, Florida State was a 14 or 14.5 14 point favorite. Let's go with 14.5. Um, and the over-under was at 50 points. So, Gabby, it is time to now give your score prediction, and we will know how to bet on this game oh boy. via your prediction.
1: Oh God, definitely do not do that. Um, okay. I mean, I think I have Florida State covering the 14 points. Um, I have the over, under, over 50. Uh, I think it's going to be like 34. I have 34, 17 Florida State. So I guess it's a 17 point victory for them. Um, I just I just don't have a lot of confidence right now, just considering the way the past few weeks have gone for Miami uh, it's just been ugly offensive performances I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be it's just not enough clarity there and even if there was still not super confident that it would be like the difference and I just feel like Florida State's you know extremely extremely uh, again explosive efficient I think it's just kind of one of those things where it's kind of like their year like they're just a good team they find I think like they find ways to win which I think is obviously you know the makings of a good football team because they've been in some tight ones. And yeah, uh, games that, yeah, they're they're a good football team. Like they're just, uh, like I I think they're a good football team. Uh, so I don't I don't think Miami's gonna win this game. Um, I don't know how particularly close it's gonna be. I'm hoping it's gonna be closer than what I think, but that's what I'm rolling with, uh, for now.
0: Yeah, I don't think Miami's gonna win the game either. Um, uh, I am gonna predict a little bit of a closer game. I'm gonna say Florida State twenty seven, Miami seventeen so a 10 point defeat for Miami so that means Florida State does not cover uh but and the under is the play for me so i i i am somewhat optimistic that Miami can make this a muddy game for maybe two and a half quarters so I think if that happens, you know, you're looking at an under-ish type of game. Uh, I do think maybe Miami can make it a one-score-ish type of game going into the fourth. Uh, But I do think Florida State is the better team and they pull away at home. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to watch. Let's see how Miami does in this game their backs are against the wall there's a big quarterback decision for this coaching staff to make we're going to learn a lot uh this saturday win or lose and uh we will be here to react to all of it in the instant reaction podcast so appreciate everyone for listening Uh, until next time take care